0: Amen. It is a blessing to be able to celebrate the Word, and we're going to do that. Uh, We're going to dismiss the children at this time to Children's Church. If you'll see, you have Miss Rhonda back there in the corner waiting on you. So we'd love to have the kids be able to go be a part of that. Uh, Thank you to the worship team for leading us this morning, and it's always a blessing to be able to worship together. Uh, It's a blessing when a pastor gets up and he doesn't have to make up for the worship team. And uh, that is uh, certainly the case today, celebrating God's faithfulness. I want to start this morning by talking about gifts. Tomorrow is my wife's birthday. And after 25 plus years of marriage, I have learned that I better remember to get her a gift. In fact, if I haven't done it yet, I still may be in big trouble. Uh, But I've also learned that not all gifts are considered equal for example, apparently husbands are not supposed to buy things like an iron or a vacuum cleaner for your wife's birthday. Well, in my household, we're also, we're also not supposed to buy the kind of flowers that you have to water and nurture. You can buy flowers that just look pretty and that's okay, but potted flowers tend to struggle for life at my house. So... I will say there is one exception, because I don't want you to think I'm saying my wife's a bad gardener. Uh, actually, this, I guess it was about two years ago, she decided to do a vegetable garden, and I feel like every day we were getting more cucumbers and tomatoes uh, from outside, but my wife and I have joked at times that she has a brown thumb instead of a green thumb. The truth is that that's okay, because the reality is we're not depending on those flowers to survive, I've often thought that when I'm out fishing, I'm not very good at fishing primarily because of the fact that I'm way too impatient. And if my life were dependent upon what I catch while fishing, I would probably eat a lot of seaweed. Uh, I do not catch a lot of fish. Well, today as we begin this new series entitled The Parables of Jesus, in it we will look at the stories which Jesus told that directly connected with individuals and what they knew. He used things that they were good at, things that they would understand very clearly. These were principles which they were very, very familiar to the people. And therefore, when Jesus told the story, they could sit there and think, oh, I get it. So I want to invite you to turn with me today to the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 13. This is often referred to as the parable of the sower. And we're going to read the parable in just a moment, but before we do that, I want you to notice a question that the disciples asked of Jesus after the parable. It's found in verse 10. So still in Matthew chapter 13, we'll look at the parable in just a moment, verses one through nine, but actually in verse 10, they asked Jesus a question. Why do you speak to the people in parables? In order to fully understand this series, we need to understand why Jesus spoke so often in parables. The reasons are many. First, he was putting deep biblical truths into terms that the people could very easily understand. That's what we're talking about already. One person may be really good at gardening, and Jesus would tell a story that had to do with gardening, but really there was a deeper message that was behind it. One might be really good with fish, and therefore he would tell a story that connected with what they knew and they could understand. Second, he was also allowing these truths to simmer just a little bit. It's almost like when someone tells you a joke and you don't get it right away. Then when you're lying in bed at night, it suddenly hits you and you start to laugh and your spouse is looking like, what in the world are you doing? The only difference was that Jesus wasn't telling a joke. He was telling important truths that the people were forced to dwell on until they really understood it. It was an easy way for them to connect beyond that moment. The third reason, I believe that Jesus often used parables to touch on things that were very personal in his original audience. He could say things in a non-threatening way because it's just a story, but actually in doing so, address very personal issues. For example... Most of you are familiar with the parable of the good Samaritan. Well, in that story, there is a hero. He's a Samaritan and multiple very self-centered, not so good guys. Can you imagine the priest who is listening to Jesus, who that very same day had crossed the street to avoid the brokenness of someone in the street? Again, Jesus didn't call him out by name, but the story allowed Jesus to address the sinful heart and the activities that had taken place prior. And finally, Jesus answers the question for us. Look at verses 11 through 17 of Matthew 13. He replied, "'Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance.'" Whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused, they hardly hear with their ears. because many of the people simply were not yet ready to receive the truths that Jesus had for them. If they would merely open their eyes, if they would merely open their ears, they could hear it and they could see it. There were many who had much information, yet their hearts were not yet ready for transformation. One could argue that a modern day example of this is seen in the life and ministry of Ravi Zacharias. Some of you probably have seen his name in the news over recent weeks. Ravi Zacharias was one of the most knowledgeable scholars of biblical texts that you will ever come across. He recently died and upon his death, reports began to come out of moral failures which plagued his ministry for many, many years. He was no doubt brilliant, He could logically explain biblical truths in such a way that he would confound the greatest of skeptics, but as was revealed following his death, there were areas of immorality that plagued him. All that knowledge in his head, but his heart clearly was not right before God. Let me just emphasize, first of all, that there is no good justification for the sinful choices which were apparently a part of his life. In fact, his hypocrisy hurts the church more than anything else. People who respected him and what he stood for now wonder if anything that he stood for was actually true. I assure you that it was true, but perhaps it simply relates very well to the parable that we're about to look at in our scripture today. So let's look at the parable. It begins really in verse 3 And choked the plants. Still, other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. In Jesus' time, the concepts of farming found in this parable would have been very easily understood by those who were listening. Farmers would sow or they would plant their crops by casting or throwing their seed out onto the ground. As they cast their seed, they would not always land where the farmer would have wanted them to land. Instead of landing in the field that had been prepared for growing the crop, some seeds would often land on a hard pathway, some in the rocky, unprepared soil, and some would fall among the thorns and the weeds off to the side. Jesus used this farming concept to draw a picture of how the same word of God, the same seed, can produce different results depending on the state of the heart of the hearers. In other words, the soil. I want to look at at least three of these. Actually, we're going to look at four total, but I'm going to group two of them together today. The first one I want you to see is the unyielding hardened heart, where the word is snatched or taken away and it is never given a chance to take root. As those seeds are cast out, some of them would land on the hard packed walkway or the road. In verse four, this is referred to as the wayside or the pathway or the road. The idea is that a traveled way or road is often packed down so hard and it becomes next to impossible to grow anything. If you were to toss seeds into the middle of a hard-packed dirt road, there's no way that it's going to germinate and grow. The road is too hard. It is unyielding. Any seeds on this road just become food for the birds. Jesus uses the image of a wayside or a road to describe the person's unyielding heart that is stone cold to the things of God. In fact, listen to the words of Paul. In his first letter to the Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians 2.14, it says, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolish to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. To complete the picture of the unyielding, hardened heart, Jesus uses the image of a bird snatching away the seed of the word. The word is there. The seed is there. But too often, people are not ready to receive that word. Turn back to Matthew 13. If you are still there, look at verses 18 and 19. Jesus explains the parable to his disciples. Listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The heart of the person that Jesus describes here does not understand the word and the things of God. And so he wants nothing to do with it. They often view Christians as intolerant for believing that there is only one way to get to heaven. And that the only way is through Jesus Christ. It is foolishness to them, and they want nothing to do with it. That fits with what Paul said there in 1 Corinthians. It has become foolishness to them. They may even think that they've got it all figured out on their own, without the Scriptures, without Christ. They have an unyielding, hardened heart. And it would seem that you can tell them until you're blue in the face about the love and the grace and the holiness and the accountability and the hope of Jesus Christ, but it will fall on deaf ears. Well, let's look at another group of people, obviously in this passage, we're going to come back to the the one who has the hardened heart in just a little bit, but let's look at the unprepared, shallow heart where the word withers away. And by the way, when I use the word shallow, I do not mean it in an insulting way. I think it is often just a reality. I've often joked that I'm too shallow to have my feelings hurt. I look at things on the surface without thinking about the fact that there are deeper issues sometimes in play. But the term shallow suggests that you've got a little bit of soil, but not enough to provide depth in your life. Let's read verses 5 and 6 again of this chapter. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Jesus explains this parable to his disciples, much as he did at the beginning with the rocky soil, the hard soil. Here he does with the rocky soil as well. Verses 20 and 21 says, The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The soil of the heart that hasn't been prepared to receive the word is one that is often very shallow. What happens so often is the implanted word will quickly wither in the soil of an unprepared, shallow heart. As believers, we've been promised trials and tribulations. Whether you want it or not, it's gonna happen. As you proclaim Christ, as that becomes a part of your life, there will be those who reject you simply because you choose to remain faithful to the word of God. You will have to deal with trials. James says in James 1:2 my brethren count it all joy when you face various kinds of trials you will have to deal with that if yours is a heart of rocky soil shallow you won't be able to have joy and persevere perseverance when going through trials and being persecuted for your faith this is what happened to some of the members of the church in Galatia As Paul writes, listen to the words of Galatians 1.6, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. And later on in Galatians 5, verse 7 and 8, he says, you ran well, who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. I read an article this past week on an ugly plague that has hindered the church in recent years. And more specifically, it shows up in those who have this shallow faith. You see, as I talk about this shallow faith, the idea is we're talking about someone else. Maybe by hearing this, we can understand that this often plagues those in the church today. This plague is called complain area. It's like diarrhea, except it comes from a heart that is infected. On the outside, we look good, but on the inside, we clearly have an infection of the soul. We complain about the music. We complain about what other people wear at church on Sunday. We might even, I know this is hard to believe, complain about the preacher. And it just keeps coming and coming. Let me take a moment and just say that this is perhaps the most dangerous type of soil that we see in this particular passage. It is also perhaps the most common type of soil among Christians in America today. I told you that the one whose heart has become hardened will blatantly reject Christ. They don't need him. They think that they're okay. They're fine without him. They will make no claim to him. Maybe they will simply by saying, oh yeah, I'm a Christian because they're good people. But the truth is they have nothing to do with Christianity. But we need to understand that just as there are those who would make no claim to Christ, the one with the shallow heart is the one who will say, yes, I am a Christian. They're the ones who will embrace Christ yet it is short-lived. The moment a trial comes up, it is time to jump ship, or it will yield little fruit. There is little transformation. When I say it yields little fruit, I'm not talking about their lack of evangelism or anything like that. I'm talking about this idea that I can be a Christian, yet live like I am not. There is no fruit to this decision that they made. They knelt at an altar and they prayed and asked the Lord to forgive them of their sins. And it was a new beginning, but that new beginning ended the moment they walked away from the altar. And there is no fruit. There is no transformation. Maybe this would very well describe Ravi Zacharias, whom I mentioned earlier. Yes, on the surface, he looked really good, but apparently the roots didn't go as deep as us, others would think. Don't be fooled. Turn back a few pages, if you want, in your Bible to Matthew 7, verse 21. Jesus, again, is speaking, and he says this. And it's one we've talked about recently here at the church. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. You see, the reality is, is there will be many who have this shallow soil, and because of the fact that they said some prayer so many years ago, they will say, well, I am a Christian, but Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Many, many are without fruit. Now, there's one other category of soil in our story that I am sort of skipping over. You look in your outline in the bulletin and We did not touch on it. Actually, I just grouped it together with shallow soil. But the problem with this seed is not so much the depth of the soil, but rather the busyness that surrounds it. It talks about seed that is choked out by the thorns of life. And let me suggest to you that there will always be thorns in our lives. There will always be undesirable things that come up in our lives, and it will attempt to suck the life out of us. No doubt, we've all seen that happen to other individuals. Maybe it's even happened to us. But the thorns don't have to win every time. If we are firmly rooted in the deep soil of God, we can thrive even as thorns grow up around us. But we must be rooted in the deep soil. By the way, as Jesus explains the thorn bushes later in our passage and I'm just going to summarize it as opposed to reading this section of it, we see that Jesus relates these thorns to two things, not just one. The first, I already described, it is the difficulty that will come our way, those things that are unexpected that we don't like and sometimes it will choke the life out of us. But the second, would be exactly the opposite. It's not the bad things that appear in our lives, but even the good things that will often distract us from our walk with Christ. This may be the love of money or the things that make us boastful and proud. The love of money is a, a bad thing, it's not something that's good for us, but money in itself is amoral. It's not good or bad, it's just there. Same thing with maybe your kids or your job. It's not that they're necessarily bad, but we can become so proud and so boastful of those things and we can become so greedy and focused on something that could be good and could be used for good. We can begin to allow those good things to become something evil and they become like thorns that will suffocate us. Again, the only way to combat such threats is to make sure that our foundation is secure. The final type of soil is the good, fertile ground of what I'm going to call the unchained deep heart, where the word yields fruit. I use the word unchained because there is incredible freedom that is discovered when we have this deep foundation in Jesus Christ. God is the one who has prepared our hearts to receive his word, and he can change your heart and put within you a heart filled with good soil. Jesus concludes with an explanation of the good soil in verse 23. He says, but the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. I also love the picture that Jesus gives us in John 15. It's very similar to what we see here in John 15, verse 5 and 8. It says, 5 through 8, it says, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and has withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. But by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. You see, when you have this deep soil, this foundation that is so solid, what ends up happening is you naturally begin to bear fruit. You produce a fruit that actually changes you, it changes the people around you. Let me suggest to you today that there are likely those listening to this message who perhaps you have hardened hearts. You were in that first group that we've looked at, and in your case, you've already made up your mind as to what is right and what is wrong. In your case, you probably doubt the value of a relationship with Christ, or even if such a relationship is possible. I want you to know today that regardless of how hard your heart may be today, God desires to create in you a soft, deep, and unchained heart. Not unchanged, unchained. He wants to work in you so that you can experience incredible peace regardless of what you face tomorrow. He doesn't want you to settle for some type of shallow foundation. Too many have done that, leading to a distorted view of what Christianity is all about. In fact, to emphasize this, let me share with you one last scriptural truth. This one from the book of Revelation in chapter 3. It's a letter that's addressed to the church of Laodicea. And it appears that this church had a rich history, yet they had become lukewarm. In other words, they didn't have that deep soil. They had that shallow soil. Either they never had the deep soil or the thorns of life were causing them to suffocate, spiritually speaking. Listen to what the Lord says to them in Revelation 3, verse 15 and 16. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. By the way, I love the way it's worded in the King James Version. It's a little more graphic. Instead of, I am about to spit you out of my mouth, it says, I am about to spew you out of my mouth. God appears to be disgusted with the lukewarm, shallow faith, so much so that he is about to spit them out of his mouth. In fact, he says, I'd rather you be cold. I'd rather you be that hard soil. That has no root at all, no foundation, nothing there, than for you to be that shallow, misleading soil. And here's the reason why too many have taken on the appearance of Christ, taken on even the name of Christ, only to disappoint because they lacked the depth that God desired for them. I gave you the example earlier of Ravi Zacharias. Clearly, he took on the name of Christ. He was known as a Christian, yet his life was not measuring up. The problem is the rest of the world looks and they say, well, that's what it means to be a Christian. Oh, no. Jesus says, I would rather you be cold. I would rather you be hard not even to claim Christ. I would rather you completely reject the truth than to claim to have the truth only have about that much of it. See, far too many of us, even those who attend church every Sunday, have settled for a shallow faith, one that reveals bits and pieces, glimpses of what it means to be a Christian. But if other people were to look at our lives at different points throughout the week, they would see something very different. If they would look at us and they would say, well, that's what it means to be a Christian, though. Because I know that individual, and I know that they're a child of God. Know that what God truly desires is for us to have a foundation that is firmly seated in him, hot, deep, on fire for him, and free. So for those who have hardened hearts, God desires to move you into deep, beautiful soil. And for those who sit here today in the midst of your shallow soil, you are not without hope. Although others may be impressed by what they see in you, God knows what's happening in your heart and he desires to move you into that deep, beautiful soil. The question is, will you let him do that? Or are you content where you're at? But I've grown up and I seem strong, so it must be okay. No, no, no. Reality is, we need a deep foundation that says, God, I'm yours, and I'll do whatever you want. The word that they sang about earlier, beautiful song. I've never heard that before. Beautiful song. More than that, there is a truth that is in there. That word is powerful enough to change who we are. If the word has not yet changed who you are, you're probably in shallow soil, and it's time to be replanted. Those who are already in that deep soil, my prayer is that God will continue to nourish the soil of your life. and I pray that he will bless you and he will strengthen you and that you will be the light to the rest of the world as they are looking for something that is real. Pray that you will know his peace regardless of what tomorrow may hold. If you would bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Perhaps some of you today would say, Pastor, I know right now that I have had that hard heart. I know that I have become bitter. I know that I have become so confident in who I am, I don't think I really need God. But maybe today you're sitting here thinking, okay, if there's really is a God, show me. I wanna pray that God would show you. This isn't a prayer of transformation today. This is simply asking God to reveal himself. We actually see in Jeremiah that if you seek the Lord with all your heart, you will find him. And I do believe today that there are those who maybe they started out as one who is completely against God, but as they sought the Lord, they found him and they realized he is real. So if that's you, would you just raise your hand? I want to be able to pray that God will show you. Maybe some of you today, as you've heard me share Your first thought was when we talked about that shallow soil, we're talking about someone else. But maybe the more we've thought about it and talked about it, maybe you're beginning to realize that maybe I'm not so much in the deep soil as I thought I was. Maybe it's that spirit of complaining. Maybe it is an area of compromise that's happening outside of Sunday morning. Maybe it's some type of sexual immorality. Maybe it's some type of addictive behavior that has control over your life and you're tired of being in the shallow soil, if that's you and you want to move to that deeper soil, would you raise your hand right now? See hands up all over. Father, right now, I pray that you would take each one of us and put us in the soil where we belong. I do pray for those who perhaps they do have those hardened hearts, there's a sense of closure, and not open to any sense of grace, not open to any change of heart. They do not need Christ, at least in their minds, but I pray right now that you would reveal yourself to them. I pray that you would show them that there is something you offer that nobody else can offer. There is a peace that passes all understanding and nobody else can give it. There is forgiveness of sins and nobody else can truly forgive such a great debt. Lord, I pray that you would speak to each of us so that we would know what it is to have forgiveness. But I also pray today for the one who, they have been dwelling in shallow soil for too long. They've allowed areas of compromise to remain in their lives. Perhaps it is a complaining spirit where there's always something to be negative about, something else that somebody else is doing wrong, constantly staying focused on the the things that everybody else has, has to deal with and not truly allowing you to transform us. Maybe it's some type of immorality, whether it be sexual in nature or maybe addictive in nature. Lord, I pray today that you would move us from that shallow soil into the deep soil that truly gives life. And I pray that it would be evident in the way we live. That transformation would take place that we wouldn't be the same people, that the things that have plagued us before would no longer be a part of who we are. Father, I pray today that you would do whatever it takes to transform us completely. Father, I I'm grateful today for the grace that you've shown. There have been times that I would look and I'd say, man, I am hot. I am on fire. I'm doing exactly what I need to do. There have been times that I catch myself dropping back into that lukewarm position. Thank you for your grace. But may I never be satisfied with anything less than all of me for all of you. pray the same thing for each individual who is here. Lord, I pray that there will be no room for compromise, no room to let up. And I pray that as you work in us, Lord, that truly we would be transformed right now. Start right now in this moment. Change who we are. And we'll give you praise for what you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This passage this morning is great at identifying where we are. I want to challenge you if you remember what I said earlier, the purpose of the parables, one of them was to allow it to simmer just a little bit so that later that night, when you're thinking about what was said, all of a sudden it would click and you think, oh, that's, that might be me. Maybe this parable needs to simmer a little bit. Maybe for some of us today, we've allowed areas of compromise, but it doesn't seem like that big a deal. I don't know the things that you guys are doing, so it's not me pointing at you, but I am telling you, the Lord knows what's going on in your life. And maybe this needs to simmer a little bit. And I want to challenge you. If you have allowed yourself to remain in that shallow soil, there is always a way out. And it is only through Jesus Christ. So I invite you to that. Thank you for being with us this morning. And go in peace.